Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. A lot to talk about today. We're going to talk, I'm going to talk about how I feel about Enjoy. I think they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. I think it's a terrible company. and I'll explain why. Uh, going to talk about a few things going on, a few interesting co- things going on. Cops are now getting brought up on a murder trial I'd like to go over. Um, going to talk about the worst cop in the history of the NYPD who you, you know, you'd figure I'd know about this guy. I cover this stuff every week, and for some reason I didn't I didn't know about this guy. Um, talk about our company's going out of jail. Uh, our company's uh, going out of business for because of clones. Um, I might as well do this right at the top of the show because this is probably the most important. This is definitely the most important thing. There, there's a new legislation that was introduced in New York that would ban the sale of all e-liquid in the state of New York, not just the city, but the state, the entire state of New York, except pre-filled Siga-like cartridges. Um, this was introduced, I believe, by Linda Rosenthal. Anybody who follows activism should be uh, quite aware of Linda. She's been active and extremely anti-vaping going back four years where she tried to, she's been trying to do sales bans forever. This keeps popping up and they're going to keep doing it until they get it to go through, which means we got to fight it every time. The, um, whatchamacallit, the uh, CASA call to action, which gives a very detailed uh, overview of all of the legislation. It's it, There's there's multiple pieces and we should be opposing all but one of them. And it goes over that in the CASA blog post. Please do go to that page. It's obviously linked uh, in the chat and in the, in the uh, replay notes. A quick word about the replay notes. I've gotten a lot of SoundCloud has kind of changed the way that they put up the replay pages. Usually, the uh, where I would put the the replay, no, the, you know, the notes, the show notes would be right there underneath the waveform. Now they've changed that. So to all of you who do listen on replay, to access the replay notes, which are really pretty important, um, you know, if you want to follow up on any of the news stories, or for example, click on that Casa call to action. They kind of buried it now, which which really sucks. It's going to be. When you go on on your browser, it's going to be in the top left corner. Uh, I'm sorry, the top right corner of the screen. If you look up there in the upper right, there's a little uh, little button. It says, it's just text really. It just says, uh, read more. And unfortunately, you have to click that to get all of the replay notes. That's if you're on a, a computer. Unfortunately, I just checked before the show, if you're on your, your mobile device, if you're on your phone... I don't know how to get to it. I have no idea. So I don't know what to tell you. I'll, I'll send them a nasty email or something. We're certainly paying them enough for this shit. We should have be, be able to share links with people. Anyway, there's that. Um, so, yeah, that's the most important thing. Go to that call to action page. I, I got some um, interesting emails. I tend to cover religion on the show quite a bit as I'm a, an, an atheist, an anti-theist for that matter. And uh, there's a lot of people that don't like that, which, you know, how would I not expect that? You know, 95% of people believe in, uh, believe in God in some shape or form. So I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. I got an interesting, I got a few emails that were roughly the same um, in, in terms of the topic. Basically, it's because, you know, they had the shooting in France these guys uh, at this magazine, they draw um, hilarious pictures of Muhammad. And, uh, I don't, I, you know, 
there's no way to rationalize this because it's religion, but in, you can't do that. You know, in Islam, that's like considered like a huge offense to draw a picture of Muhammad. Why? I don't know, but they really, really don't like it. So they shot up a newspaper and a lot of people died. And basically the, the tone of the emails was, you know, Russ, why do you go after Christianity so hard every week? And you never say anything about Islam, which is, you know, in, in the in the emailers comments, uh, certainly more dangerous or more violent at the very least. Well, here's the thing. Again, all religions, in my mind, are equal in terms of what they are. It's bullshit. They are all 100% bullshit, so I am, a, I, am, I am equally opposed to all of them. Yes, you could certainly make the case, especially if you, you, you any news lately about any religion, it's going to be about this, the shooting. It's a fair point. Um, I would make a counter argument, though. Um, while that is a horrible tragedy over a fucking cartoon of all things, it's ridiculous, it's vile, it's disgusting, and yes, it demonstrates how that religion is so dangerous. I guess, I guess, and I, and maybe I'd, I'd flip a coin, I don't know. I guess if you're talking about religion in 2015, is radical Islam the most dangerous? Maybe. If we were talking, if the date was not 2015, but if, the, if it was the year 1935, what would I be talking about? I'd be talking about Catholicism, because that was clearly the most dangerous religion at that time. The Nazi party was in deep with the Catholic Church, and as a religious force, they posed the biggest, uh, the biggest threat to human life at the time. If you were to go back further in time, uh, you know, to the year 1000, well, it would be, you know, just general Christianity, I, I guess, at that point, you know, crusades and all that shit. I, I'm not sure if you could go back in time and, uh, well, yeah, I guess if you went back 2000 years, I'd put it at Judaism. Uh, you know, that because there wasn't any Christianity or uh, or Islam. And since then, the Jews have kind of had the short end of the stick. Um, I, I don't know of a time, you know, after Christianity came into major prominence that, that the Jews were the most violent people on earth, but they certainly were at one point. It's a revolving door. Um, so is Islam the most dangerous thing out there today? Maybe. And here's why I say maybe. We had this president... Um, George, George W. Bush. Now, this guy, <laughs> first of all, you know, he had the perfect job. He had, uh, he was so, he, he used to be the general manager of the Texas Rangers baseball team. He was so good at that. He was so good at that job and he loved it. All he had to do was show up at the games, shake hands, kiss babies, take pictures, drink beer, eat hot dogs. He would go to, he was a great GM. He'd go to all the games. People would come to, hey, president's son's here, you know? He was great at that job. He loved it. And his family drug him, kicking and screaming into politics. He wanted nothing to do with it. He had the perfect job. You watch fucking ball games for a living and he was good at it. But they drug him, kicking and screaming. First, I think, into the Texas, uh, um, representatives, I think he was a rep, and then he was obviously governor, and then he went on to be president. So the problem with that, you have this guy who never wanted to be in politics, now all of a sudden he's in there. You have the biggest fucking national tragedy, you know, in, in, in 
decades and and a guy who's you know barely equipped to, well very well equipped to run a baseball team but not well equipped to run the country and what did this guy do after 9/11 he started talking to god in fact he said he could hear jesus talking to him this man's the leader of the free world and the controller of the largest army in the history of the world. He's got a voice in his head, and he thinks it's Jesus. And Jesus is telling the president to go invade Iraq. We all know now all the shit they said about <laughs> the weapons of mass destruction. Everything was a lie. Nothing. Nothing. There was no justification for invading. They had nothing to do with any terrorist attacks on America. Nothing. Sure, guy was a fucking whack job, dictator, crazy motherfucker, but we had no right to go in there. Why did we do it? Because the guy who's got his finger on the button can hear Jesus in his head. Following that, you know, as a direct result of that war, millions dead, uh, trillions of dollars spent, that you and I paid for, and a complete destabilization, a com or, or another complete destabilization of the Middle East. So, I don't know. You uh, you could put it on the scale either way. I, I say they're all equal. They're all bad. And they're all the greatest, every religion. Well, at least the big three is the greatest threat to our survival as a species. Uh, yeah, so sometimes this is a show about vaping. Let's let's do that. Welcome to the show. Shalom. God bless you. Jesus loves you. <laughs> All right. Let's get right to it. So why do I hate Enjoy so much? A lot of reasons. You know, at first, um, there, there was a time I loved that company. I thought they were, you know, when they made that, well, a couple things. When they made that Enjoy King. Um, which is still their kind of their, their go-to disposable. I sang the praises of that thing. I, I, I said it from the mountaintop, right? I said, this is the most innovative, you know, introductory vaping product ever made. It's going to convert, you know, tens of thousands of smokers, hundreds of thousands. I, I don't know what I said at the time, but I, uh, I, I used to go to 7-Eleven when they came out. I used to go to 7-Eleven. I'd buy all of them and hand them out to people and, and give them out at vape meat so that people can give them to friends and family who wanted to, uh, you know, take that first step. Um, to this day, I still say it's the best disposable out there. And the, uh, you know, to be able to just point somebody, be like, hey, just 
go to that bodega and buy one of those. You know, you could get it right now. You know, you're talking to somebody at a bar or something. You're vaping. They say, hey, what do you, what is that? I say, go, you know, eight bucks, go buy that now. Um, phenomenal product. Absolutely phenomenal product. Um, I was once again uh, impressed by Enjoy, by Enjoy when we were fighting uh, in, oh boy, was that 2013? I guess it was. In 2013, when we were fighting against the public use ban. By the way, I'll have a big update about that next week, about my lawsuit um, with Audrey from NYC Clash against the city of New York. Maybe I'll talk about that a little bit later, too. I can't release any of the documents yet, but good stuff's happening with that. Anyway, when we were initially fighting that legislation, uh, you know, some of the best testimony in the public comments came from Enjoy. I forgot the gentleman who was making the testimony, but it was uh, fantastic. Um, I was, again, impressed by the company. Then things changed for me quite a bit when Enjoy came out publicly um, denouncing all flavors except tobacco and menthol um, through the entire industry, under the bus, in, a pub in public statements that were made. Basically um, saying that the, uh, the only proper form of an electronic cigarette was a, a sealed cartridge uh, in tobacco or menthol only, and everything else was bad. And they actually pointed to the fact that these sweet flavors attract children into a nicotine habit. Um, I have heard, well, they, they're obviously not on that page anymore. They're making these loose, you know, bottled uh, e-liquid in, in lots of flavors now. You'd think I'm, I'd be happy about that. Um, no, I'm not. There's a reason why. You have to understand what this company is doing. Um, they went down one road, actually made the best product in the category, and quickly realized after they did that, that while it was the best product for what it was, a disposable, all it was doing was getting people to try it. They would use it for, this is what happens when, when people would, would try and enjoy King. They would try it, say, hey, there's something to this. Realize that what it said on the, on the package, that it's equal to a pack of cigarettes is bullshit. And that even with the inflated price of tobacco and of uh, the inflated price of cigarettes in New York City, it still wasn't really that much cheaper than smoking if you wanted to use that product on a daily basis. So one of two things happened. Either they said, fuck this and went back to smoking or did some research, whether it be on the Internet or finding a brick and mortar and moved on. So from a perspective of, you know, when you're a company, you want to sell something to people that they buy it every week, it doesn't do that. I could care less, but they could and should and did. So what happened then was, and, and all the cigarette companies have, have been discovering this in one way or another, how they're dealing with it is, is a little bit different for every company. Uh, Enjoy is actually the smartest in what they're doing. Um, if you follow what Bonnie Herzog says, she's a, uh, with Wells Fargo and does a lot of the um, analysis, the financial analysis, investor analysis for the e-cigarette industry, probably the smartest person in the world on that subject. The, all, of, all of the current analysis points to the fact that the Sigalike uh, portion of the market, which used to be the lion's share 
of what was sold with uh, the, for lack of a better term, the open products that we typically use, whether it build, you know, be, you know, refillable clearomizers or rebuildable drippers or, you know, wh whatever it is, you know, most, most people listening to the show are not right now puffing on an Enjoy King. They are using some sort of open device that relies on loose or bottled e-liquid, uh, the likes of which will be uh, made illegal in the state of New York. If you read that Kassab blog post, I guess it's, uh, can't post that enough. So there you go. Do something, please. Just follow the call to action. Anyway, so Enjoy realized we have to change. Um, if you follow what Bonnie says, one of the very important um, metrics that is being followed right now is, well, they're looking at this whole section of the marketplace, the Sigalikes, that's going down. And then there's this whole other portion of the industry, the uh, the brick and mortars, that's quite successful. So what they're looking at when investors and venture capital are looking at companies, one important metric that they're looking at is how much uh, how much space, how much uh, how much counter space, so to speak, do you have in these successful brick and markets? Uh, brick and mortars. Are you on the shelf? Now, prior to Enjoy putting out this artist line of, of e-liquid, um, that number was zero or virtually zero. Um, so they knew that if they want to get, and here's the important part, if they want to get bought, they need to have some space in the stores in the, in the successful brick and mortars. Now I say get bought. Um, what Enjoy always wanted to do, and they almost did, was they wanted to get bought by a large tobacco company. Well, maybe not initially, um, but they needed, they, they, it quickly became obvious that they actually really needed to. Here's why. When the Enjoy King first came out, they had virtually all of the shelf space, not in brick and mortars, but in, gas stations, 7-Elevens, um, bodegas, you know, convenience stores. They were doing great. But then when other big tobacco companies, you know, Blue, who's obviously been uh, bought by big tobacco at this point, by Lorillard, um, Mark 10, which is more or less R.J. Reynolds, um, they were able to push Enjoy further and further, sometimes completely off the shelves in certain stores, um, otherwise just greatly diminish their space on the shelves in those bodegas and convenience stores because the big tobacco companies are selling the vast majority of, of, you know, of products to smokers, for lack of a better way to put it. They're selling cigarettes in these stores. They have an enormous amount of leverage over what gets put on those shelves and enjoy a company that is not owned by a tobacco company, had very little say, had very little pull. So they were, there, they were more and more getting pushed off the shelves. You used to see, when you walked into a 7-Eleven, you used to see posters for Enjoy. You used to see right on the counter a little spinny wheelie thing of uh, Enjoy Kings. You used to see all kinds of stuff. You don't really see that anymore. Uh, you are more likely to see Mark 10. And in some cases, depending on the convenience store, you won't see Enjoy at all. 
So Enjoy now is is in, in a position where they're failing on all fronts. They're having their, their original bread and butter. They're getting pushed off the shelves. And just at that point where they were looking, they're, they're just at the point where they were trying to get bought, they almost were. They almost, almost, almost got bought out. Um, actually by uh, Philip Morris. Um, they were on the brink of a deal with Philip Morris a couple of years ago, and it fell through. Why it fell through, I'm not sure. I can speculate a little bit on that. Um, my speculation is that at the same time that they were trying to get bought, um, Mark 10, which is Altria, which is Philip Morris, um, was shopping. They were shopping between uh, Green Smoke and enjoy they ultimately went with green smoke uh bonnie herzog had been on on record you know several publications saying that they were um that um uh philip morris or ultra they were uh favoring enjoy why they ultimately didn't go like i said i don't know 100 percent. they ultimately did decide to go with green smoke um i mean it probably just came down to dollars and cents but enjoy did also get an infusion of 75 million dollars of venture capital um that might have had something to do with the decision either. Here's three uh, news articles um, where you'll see Bonnie quoted um, mentioning the imminent sale of Enjoy to Big Tobacco, which ultimately did not happen. Um, that was another big. That was another big blow to Enjoy. That would have been as far as you know the you know the guys who run the company getting paid. That's that's the payday. It's the same payday that you know, maybe not the same number of dollars, but it's the same thing that, you know, Jason, uh, Jason Healy got from, from blue when, when Laura Lord bought them, which now in retrospect looks like a, a pretty shitty buy for Laura Lord. It, it's not going to work out well for them anyway. Um, so enjoy has been quite smart with, um, their analysis of their state, which is right now, um, quite poor. Um, they've been, kicked around and battered um, over the past couple of years. And they realized they need to do something to, um, one or two things, get some more big venture capital. They've used up almost all of that money. Um, you know, you, you remember they, they were fucking running Super Bowl ads last year. Um, so, you know, they, they've, used, they've used a ton of that money. Um, it hasn't worked out well for them in sales the way they wanted to. And the buyout didn't ultimately happen so what do they have to do now well if they want to get bought or if they want to get um a big infusion they're going to have to prove that they can get shelf space in the popular uh and successful brick and mortars so how do they do that tell you what I'll make you a deal let me buy you a pack of gum i'll show you how to chew it what they do is they make some open vapor products, the same products that in the past they've said uh, attract children and are unsafe and shouldn't, and all this, you know, all this uh, um, talking down to that market. They say, well, we have to be that market now. So, okay, let's, you know, put it in reverse, turn around and go the other direction. And who are they using for this? They're using our community. Once uh, a community of thousands is now a community of hundreds of thousands. And they are relying on the reviewers, the celebrities, the whatever you want to call it, the prominent community members to do a lot of this heavy lifting for them. 
So with this new artist line, don't ask me what it tastes like. Don't ask me if it's any good. I wouldn't vape it if you paid me because I want nothing to do with this fucking company. Um, so no, I wouldn't even, I, I, you'd have to pay me a lot to vape it. <laughs> and I, I'd never talk about it favorably. I don't care how good it is because it's a scam. It is a scam for them to get bought out by Big, Big Tobacco. And what really made me angry about this, I actually sent a message to Jonathan Thomas from, you know, we are vape stars. You, you guys, you guys know him. This is one of my favorite people. In the and I reached out to him. I told him what I'm doing tonight, and I told him that it's nothing personal. Um, this does not change the way I feel about Jonathan. I think I think they chose wisely, you know. Uh, he's a great guy. Who doesn't like him? I mean, he's just an awesome dude, right? And who, who am I to, also just, you know, talking about, not just him, about anybody. Who am I to tell somebody how to make a living? So I got nothing personal against Jonathan. And honestly, you know, I don't know how to wish him success, but I do. <laughs> you know, I do. I hope Enjoy fails. Absolutely. Um, do I hope Jonathan is successful in life? Absolutely. I don't. I don't quite know how to resolve that. Um, but I want my cake and I want to eat it too. So they're, they're, they're wisely choosing. And some people have told me, I, 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 this I haven't seen confirmation of. I don't, I don't know who, but somebody from uh, Plumes of Hazard has been hired by Enjoy as well. Um, I don't know which one of them, but I like all of those guys very much. And it's one of the best vaping shows out there. Nothing personal towards you guys. Listen, I, I go to the deli to buy a sandwich, right? The guy at the, the, the deli, I think his name's Raul or something. And Raul sells cigarettes got a whole wall of them behind behind them see a bad guy for doing that no i'm not anti-tobacco i'm not anti-vaping i'm not anti i don't care how you make your living it's none of my business but what is going on here i'm really more speaking more than anyone to really just to brick and mortar um owners that this company enjoy is running a scam and they are using you. They are using whatever YouTube reviewers they can get to talk about this. And they're using people like Jonathan, who I just don't think they know what's going on. Let me put it to you this way. If you, Mr. or Mrs. Brick and Mortar owner, were approached today by Blue or by Mark 10, and they came to your store and they say, hey, we're going to start selling bottled e-liquid you, you want to put it on your shelf what would you say nobody would say yes or very few I, I would think why would you want to put big tobacco right on your shelf y you wouldn't you got you got so many better things to, to to choose from even if the liquid was good fuck it right you wouldn't do that what enjoy is doing is kind of like, it's kind of like a time bomb that's designed to self-destruct. You just, nobody knows, including them, how long the timer is. The plan is quite simple. Get that shelf space into the brick and mortar so that people like Bonnie Herzog can do reporting on this and do analysis on this and show, hey, 
this company, they got they got everything. They got the Sigalikes, they got all that stuff. They got this loose stuff. They're on the shelves, which makes them attractive to be bought by most likely big tobacco. So I don't care what you vape. I don't care if you smoke. I don't care. I don't care what you do. But I think you should know what's going on here. I think everybody should know. This company is using us. They are using us as a community to get themselves in a favorable position to get bought out, at which point all that stuff, all those liquids will most likely sell. Because no, what Big Tobacco doesn't want to do is they don't want to sell things that have to be fucked with. And while liquid doesn't have to be fucked with very much, all the devices and all that shit, though, my prediction, and I would be, I would be so pleased if at, a, at some point in the future I were to come on the air and say, I would, I would be so pleased if I would say I was wrong about everything. Nothing would make me happier. That being said, here is my prediction. Um, Enjoy will continue to get more sales and more shelf space for this new artist line of liquids because, well, I don't know, brick and mortar owners and employees and that they, they're watching these, you know, every fucking YouTube reviewer is getting free samples and they're sucking their dick and they're saying, well, Joe Dickface and Susie Twat Cream said that this stuff tastes good, so we should put it on the shelf. And they don't pay attention to, you know, what Bonnie Herzog says and or, or what I say for that matter. So they put it on the shelves, enjoy is profit get makes profit from this, although that's not the primary motive, gets to a point where they can get bought by big tobacco as they have tried and failed to do in the past. And then not only do those products disappear, but jobs like Jonathan, like Jonathan's, they disappear too. There will be no vape ambassador for anywhere once big tobacco buys Enjoy. I have no idea what the timeline for this is. Nobody does, including Enjoy. Nobody knows. That's what's going to happen. That's my prediction. And I'd be so happy if I was wrong. Um, take it for what it's worth. This is just me talking here, right? What I see is a company that has thrown us as a community in the past under the bus and only when it was real, when they realized that it was financially um, improper to not just, not just to say things like they said in, in the past, but that they had to change their business model decided, well, that, that, that community that we raised our middle finger and said, fuck you two now decides to use us because they have to. So fuck you, Enjoy. And, and, I'm, and that's not a fuck you to Jonathan or anyone who's going to think, because this is just the beginning, you know. I got nothing against you guys. I just wish that everybody could really look at this and see it for what it is. If I walked into a vape shop and I saw the artist line on the shelf, I would say that I would ask to speak to the owner. I would explain to them why Enjoy is doing the things that, they, that they're doing, in my opinion. And why I will be taking my business elsewhere. Well, that's just my $20 purchase. Take that for what it's worth. 
look into this. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell what's going on here. This company is bad news. I recommend you stay away from them. So, in addition, obviously, um, I, I talk about, uh, I, I probably talk about police brutality more than vaping in this show, which is why I was so surprised that I never heard of this guy. This, this NYPD detective, his name's Louis Scarcella. He is probably, as far as I can tell, no, he never killed anybody. And, you know, I, I every week I, I seem to find new cop that killed somebody. So, you know, it's, that's obviously the worst thing you could do. But the number of lives he ruined over his ascent to being nothing less than in terms of a, a cop, a superstar. I can't believe I never knew who this fucking guy was. Pardon me, pardon me. So here's, what's, here, here's what was happening. So this guy was a beat cop and he always wanted to be a detective because that's what his dad was. So back when crime was at its all time high in New York between the 70s and the 90s, They'd have all these heinous murders that were unsolved. And this guy, so they have detectives working on these cases. Nobody could crack the case, un unresolved. And all of a sudden, he'd get put on the case, and boom. Cases got solved. He got convictions. He got famous. People loved him. He was a, 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 a remarkable orator. Juries would hang on his every word. And he would get conviction after conviction after conviction. He was a superstar. Then a funny thing happened. A couple of years ago, actually, after he retired. People started noticing that all of these murder convictions he was getting were complete bullshit. All these witnesses years later, they started to recant their stories. Evidence started popping up that showed that all these people who are ending up in jail, now there's like DNA evidence and shit that completely exonerates them. And people started getting released from jail. People started getting fully exonerated. The com and the common thing between all these people, who was the, who was the detective? It was Louis Garcella. Just this week, a guy who spent 20 years in jail. Um, he was actually never, um, he was never actually released as a result of these, uh, these investigations. He actually made parole after 21 years, but he was, as of this week, officially exonerated. When you get released on parole, they're not saying, you, okay, you're innocent. This week, finally, he's been a free man for a year or so, completely exonerated. Um, this guy spent 21 years. Can you imagine that? 21 years in jail. And he is just one of 70 murder investigations that are being um, investigated by the, by the now, I guess it's the district attorney. So far, all of them 
have been overturned. This, I mean, if you think about this, already in terms of what's been overturned, you're looking at about 200 years of jail time when you add all the people together, and I think you should add them together. I think that's the way you should look at it. Because I, I think that d delivers more of the, the actual pain and suffering, not just to them, but their families. Most of the time, the way he would do it, he, wasn't, he didn't just you know, walk down the street and you know, pick John Doe up and say, all right, let's get... What he would do is first he would start by looking at people who lived in the area and he would find drug-addicted prostitutes, um, felons, guys with, you know, breaking and entering, you know, shit like that. People who are generally on parole for one reason or another. And then, so he'd have a few of those, right? And he'd put them, he'd put them aside. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to force them basically to make false testimony against somebody. And then he'd go find someone else, someone who's got some, some sort of, a, you know, probably just as likely to be any one of them but somebody who's done something violent in the past. Maybe not murder, but maybe a breaking and entering, maybe an assault, something like that, right? So he'd bring the guy in who'd, who'd be on the assault. He'd line him up, and he would force those people, either by making another whatever, a drug bust, parole violation, and say, listen, here's the deal. Either you're going you're gonna to help me put this guy away, or you're going back to jail. He would pressure these low-level you know, drug and you know, other criminal, you know, minor criminals, he'd say, either you're going back to jail or when you go onto the lineup, you point to him. And then when you take a statement from me, you tell me that I saw him pull the, pull the gun. I saw him fire the weapon. It's uncommon in a murder investigation to get, you know, in, in an unsolved murder investigation to even get more than one witness. He was having five or six. That's why it was a, he was getting slam dunks with every jury trial. He probably did this on the order of 60 to 70 times. It's, it's my, and here's, here's the mind blowing thing about this. And now, and also, like I said, from my account, from just what's happened so far, we're talking about 200 years of, of jail time that people have served. The lawsuits from uh, these innocent people, at least innocent of murder, the lawsuits from these innocent people have already cost, not the NYPD, but the taxpayers of the city of New York, so far, $50 million. And that's just going to keep going. And somehow, here's the, the fucked up thing about all this. This guy isn't liable for any of it. He doesn't have to pay a dollar. Taxpayers have to pay. He's still getting his pension. And he will never see the inside of a jail cell. He's, this has got to be the worst cop ever. If you want to read more about um, NYPD Detective Louis Saracella, here's a very good write-up in the Village Voice. Really just fucking human scum. There is a there's a cop in Houston who cannot stop sodomizing women in public. She happens to be a woman. 
She loved this is her uh her third time. She can't stop. Um you would think that after she was uh, she she pulled over a couple women. This was a couple years ago. I covered the story a couple years ago when it happened. Pulled them over, found no drugs, but on the side of the road, uh pulled her pants down and searched their anuses and vaginas, two women. Um no drugs found. Um minimal disciplinary action. Uh and then she just did it again this week. Again, no drugs found. Uh, but she she just loves putting her fingers up women's asses. These are the types of psychopaths that are, you know. You know, I, you know, I would really think that, you know, I'm so outraged over all this stuff. I would, you know, I'd like to think that wouldn't good cops be more, shouldn't they be more outraged that these people are tarnishing their entire prof profession? I don't know. I don't I don't get those emails very often. I get the other ones though. Um my favorite website of all time, Photography is not a crime, is a nice write-up on a New Jersey man who this is he was arrested. He committed no crime, but was still arrested for taking pictures, literally or or taking video, I should say. Same thing. Uh he saw an accident. He recorded it far away from the uh the, the investigation. Uh, one cop didn't like that. Um, it's likely because, not sure why. I, I think the, the cop, I think might have been D, DUI. We don't really know that yet, but um, this cop wanted that camera. And the guy was completely willing to give him everything. It's all on tape. He said, listen, I'll give you my, even though he committed no crime, he didn't have to do any of these things. This guy who, who videotaped it said, listen, here's my name. Um, I, I will give you a copy of the video. I will cooperate in any way possible. But all the cops said, no, I want your camera. I want you to get, he is under no legal obligation to hand over his camera unless he, that man, committed a crime and videotaped it with the camera. That's the only way. Otherwise, you got to get a warrant. And all he did was say, I will cooperate in any, in any way, any way it can help. But no, I'm not going to give you my camera. And they put him in jail. Um... It's not that cops think that filming is illegal. They have to know at this point what the First Amendment is. And they have to know. They see all these videos popping up. It's completely legal to photograph anyone, including the police, in public. It's There is no gray area. It is completely protected by the First Amendment. They do this because they think they can get away with it. Well, hopefully they can't. I mean, that is, well, it's a huge lawsuit. I hope he... Uh, He'll be cashes in. He deserves to. Um, here's a cop that showed up for domestic violence, um, a domestic violence call, and he didn't make any arrests. He just stole the couple's cash, drugs, and guns. Um, one of the rare thing, rare times when one was actually arrested. Um. Oh, so here's here's a big one. Um, this DA has brass balls, and uh, they must be huge, and she's a woman. This DA in New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, is probably the most, um, has the most citizen deaths coming out of Albuquerque out of anywhere in the country. For some reason, these cops are just completely out of fucking control. 
And um, this DA is actually looking to really do something about it. Um, there was this homeless guy, James Boyd, who was illegally camping, which, I don't know, seems kind of like a ridiculous thing to even bother with in the first place, but whatever. He was camping on government land, and he wasn't allowed to. Whatever, so they they, they show up, I guess, to get him out, and he ended up, you know, dead. Um, I have uh, a couple of things. The dash, oh, yeah. So there is actual uh, helmet cam video. The, uh, the cops actually had helmet or vest cams. I'm not exactly sure. So they showed up at this, at this, I don't know, it's like a fucking pile of dirt that this guy was camping on. And they're trying to get him to surrender. And the guy's got mental issues or whatever. He's got two pocket knives. You could see him in the video. They're like two inches long, little tiny knives he's holding. And when he finally goes to surrender and he, turns around with his hands up in the air. That is the time when the cop shot him multiple times in the back. Um, how somebody could be of, uh, you know, they're saying he was danger. How somebody is a danger to you when they are turning away and, and have their hands in the air and their back is facing to you, I don't know. But here's the really interesting thing about it. And I don't know yet, but we're going to find out because it'll all be public. This isn't like... The, the DA is not going through a grand jury. She's just going straight to trial. So then everything is public. It's not like grand jury, like in Eric Garner, where everything was, uh, whatchamacallit, everything sealed. Listen to this. Um, pull it. Fucker. So listen to this. Before these cops showed up at the scene, one of the cops is actually caught on a dash cam actually saying that he's going to shoot the guy two hours before he actually goes and does. Listen to this. this. From New Mexico State Police, but hired by APD anyway, responded to the scene in the foothills last March. He sees an old state police officer, Chris Ware. Sandy doesn't realize it, but Ware's dash cam is rolling, picking up this conversation that will change how lawyers, judges, and our community view this shooting. Where they got you guys going? Where they got you? I don't know. Did I ask for stick leaf? Well, I don't know. The stick? I'm gonna shoot over the seat of the shotgun here in a second. You got a nut lethal? I got it. I just said. The taser shotgun? Yeah. Oh, I thought you guys got rid of those. I got one. Civil rights lawyer Shannon Kennedy represents Boyd's family in a wrongful death lawsuit against APD. So two hours before he's saying I'm going to shoot this man in the penis and then two hours later he's escalating the situation so he can do just that. It's chilling evidence of malice and it's stunning that he has not yet been criminally indicted. He spells out even before he gets to James Boyd what his intentions are. Absolutely, almost exactly two hours before he shoots James Matthew Boyd in the back, he says to a state police officer, that effing lunatic, I'm gonna shoot him in the penis. It's crystal clear. And he says it with contempt in his voice. Now, if that was anyone else, any other human, you're caught on tape saying, I'm gonna go kill John Doe in two hours and then you do, what's that? It's first-degree murder. I mean, you've got no chance. Like I said, this this uh, this DA's got brass balls, and 
Uh, I think it's pretty clear. I think the evidence, you shoot a guy in the back and you, you were on tape two hours earlier saying that you were going to just, you're going to do that. Uh, he missed his dick. But other than that, you know, sounds like first degree murder to me. I wonder what, um, I wonder what 12 citizens will decide. We'll see. ProPublica did an excellent uh, roundup. Uh, two of these stories I've covered before, um, they gave three. Uh, oh, here's the James Boyd stuff. So you could see all that shit. Um, ProPublica did a great piece on uh, the use of these grenades. Police use these flashbang grenades, which um, their intent is to uh, disorient a suspect, um, but they can kill as well. Um, um, the three stories that they went over, um, one of them was the the time they raided that house with the family and they threw a grenade into, and it landed in the crib where there was a baby. Um, burn the infant, the, the baby's face. The, the, this kid is going to have to have surgery every two years for the next 20 years of his life. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, the story I, I didn't hear that they went over in this, they used a flashbang on a grandmother. She made, she had a, like a little business in her house of selling food and beer. Obviously she was not licensed to do so. They knew who she was. They know who was in the house. They knew what the crime was and they decided to use a flashbang grenade. Um, Chilling stuff. And uh, here's a, 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 a nice little quote from the Little Rock Police Department. Um, Little, Rock, uh, Little Rock Police Department spokesman Allen says he does not consider the force used on Harris's home, the grandmother, to be excessive. Quote, if she hadn't been selling illegal items out of the home, no warrant would have been served, he said. What you call extreme, we call safe. safe you need a grenade and a SWAT team to serve a warrant on a grandma for selling sandwiches and beer um and the it's a it's fantastic uh oh boy did i botch that well you got the link there um chilling stuff Uh, what I uh, neglected to post before, and this is just one of many. Here's uh, here's an article about the guy who was actually just released after serving 20 years. Okay, here's another one. Okay, so a lot of times these stories are like, whatever. The guy did something wrong, and the police beat him up or killed him or whatever. Here's one of a man who is literally... 100% innocent, not suspect of, no crime, no crime at all. Upstanding member of the community, never been arrested before, and that day had not committed any crime whatsoever. Got the ever-loving piss and shit beat out of him by cops. 
This man did nothing, nothing wrong, zero. So if it could have happened to this guy, it could have happened to anybody. This is just a guy standing on the street taking pictures of his wife's restaurant, literally doing nothing wrong. So how did this happen? The cops were on the lookout for an actual real bad dude. Um, he was uh, he had illegal weapons, methamphetamine, uh, just led them on a high-speed chase. So they were looking for a real bad guy, right? So in their pursuit, the guy ditched the car and then escaped on foot, you know? So they're out looking for him, and then they come across this other guy, right? The guy who's just standing on the sidewalk taking pictures of his wife's restaurant. This guy looks nothing like the guy they're looking for, number one. Number two, this guy just led you on a high-speed chase and fled on foot. Do you think he's going to be just standing there with a camera taking pictures of a strip mall? They swarmed him, immediately smashed him in the face with a, um, it was either a radio or a, or a pistol, and beat the fucking shit out of him. This man committed no crime, did nothing wrong. They later got the other guy. What, did, what was the punishment they got for this? Exactly nothing. Nothing. Uh, they originally had the huge punishment of 15 days suspension. Then the police chief, five days before he retired, converted it to five days, and then they were somehow able to, they were able to use like sick days or something so that the, the suspension was effectively actually zero. They lost five sick days. That's the punishment. When asked about this by local news and because they had made comments that this guy's injuries weren't so bad. Take a look at this picture. This guy has a gash in his, in his, uh, in his, uh, above his eyebrow. That's like a half an inch deep. This guy got fucked up. This guy has like $15,000 worth of medical bills. And they say it wasn't that bad. When the news crew went up and said, do you want to look at these pictures? The, the chief wouldn't even look at the pictures. I mean, no remorse at all. This guy did nothing. This could have been you. It could have been anybody. The um, the work stoppage in by the NYPD. What, what they were doing was they just stopped working basically it wasn't actually a strike they can't strike legally um in new york uh, the public officials they, they they can't strike there's major repercussions that they do but they can show up to work and punch the time clock and just not do their jobs um low level offenses like parking speeding um you know public intoxication public drinking uh public urination jaywalking all that shit had dropped 90 percent um, and even where, where that's good because that's just revenue generating bullshit, even though it is their, it's not their, it's their job to do it, but nobody seemed to mind all that much, but they also stopped, uh, pursuing felony complaints like, uh, battery and B and E and all that kind of shit. Um, 
what their intent was with this. I, I mean, I guess they just wanted to take money out of the coffers. They just wanted to, you know, make no mistake. The number one job for a cop, at least in New York, is to generate revenue for the state. Or should I say extract revenue from citizens and then give it to the state. That is the number one thing that they do. Protect and serve are far distant number two and number three. They are there to write tickets. They are there to get the money flowing. And by stopping this, it is a little bit dangerous because they stopped doing, you know, violent arrests as well. It told, it's so backfired on them. And it seems like they've finally gotten back to work because uh, Bratton finally said, listen, there's no more sick days, no more vacation for anybody until you start writing tickets again. But they, you know, they shot themselves in the foot, so to speak, because it totally backfired. It just showed everybody that they don't care about the safety of the people. They don't care about the laws that they're actually there to, they, they just want to throw a fucking tantrum and get their way. And everybody saw it for what it was. Even the conservative press that typically will just, you know, rah-rah, sis-boom-bah behind anything involved with cops. They just said, hey, listen, <laughs> this is fucked up. Big loss. Big loss for them. I wish they'd, you know, I'd wish they'd do this more. Um, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. Life in the city just went on. And people had more money in their pockets. Oh, okay. shit. Should have done this when I was talking about vaping. I was really surprised to see... Um, there was, you know, you, a lot of people probably don't even know this company anymore. Um, Super T Manufacturing. They used to be the, the like the, the, the tits and ass of, of, of mechanical devices. I mean, go back four years ago, they were the creme de la creme. They were the, the most beautifully machined devices. They could not make them fast enough. And it didn't seem to matter how much they charged either for, for the products this company could do no wrong. Uh, he posted on Facebook the other day that he is going out of business because there's so many clones. I don't even know that. Honestly, I don't recall seeing too many Super T clones. I could be wrong, though, because I don't pay much attention to mechanical devices because at this point, they're fucking dumb. Uh, but anyway, um, I don't remember seeing any Super T clones, but Apparently, he said because of the, the clone market, you know, he's going out of business. He's not going to make electronic cigarettes anymore. I, I don't, I don't know how to feel about that exactly. I, I you know, there's, been, there's, there's still a lot of people making good quality mech mods, rebuildables, who are somehow able to do it. Honestly, I don't buy it. I really don't. Um, I just don't think he was able to innovate in a way that, or maybe he just got tired of it. I don't know. I don't buy it. I don't think, I, I, I don't see any evidence of really high-end device makers not being, you know, may, and maybe I'm wrong. What do I know? But I don't know. I just don't buy it. 